Earth with Harriet Kimmick. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's Thursday and it is October 10th. I'm having a little trouble with that, I must confess, because I cannot believe it's the 10th of October. I mean, just a few days ago, I thought it was the first. So I found myself writing the date this morning and I was pretty sure it was the 8th of October. Much to my chagrin, I discovered that it was actually, it is actually October 10th. And I was like, no way could it be the 10th of October? October just started. So when, <laughs> where did the days go? I mean, <laughs> we're sliding into Halloween. So we're sliding into Halloween. This is my favorite time of the year. I love Halloween, like love, love, love Halloween. I mean the lawn wars have started all over suburbia and I, I, yeah, I'm not going to say anything because <laughs> I do have my decorations out myself and it's getting spooky. <laughs> so I think I still have some more spookiness to put out. I haven't quite done the scarecrow thing, but I think I'm headed there. I think I'm headed there. I mean, it's interesting to see how people go all out on fall decorations and all out on Halloween decorations. I just love it. I just think Halloween is so cool, right? So if anybody were to ask, what are you going to dress up for as Halloween? I don't know. I haven't gone that far. I haven't thought about it that much. Uh, I think one of my daughters says she's going to dress up like a witch. Another one says she's going to do something else creepy. <laughs> but I do know that anything else we'll be doing, we'll be watching. One of the things we do do during Halloween is watch scary movies. Yeah, all month long, right? So I don't know why I haven't started yet because maybe I don't want to be scared. I don't know. The news is scary enough, so probably don't want to need any more scary mess, right? <laughs> right? Um, uh, so, uh, so we are talking today about yesterday. We had quite the discussion on, uh, the former colleague who works with Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer is a former NBC anchor. She's now accusing him of a rape that took place in Russia in 2014 problem with that, of course, is that it took place out of the country and there was no record of it. So it kind of comes down to her word. He says, she says, but also that later on when they returned to the States, she initiated sexual contact with him. I don't think Matt Lauer is anymore married. I think his marriage was pretty much shot after that, right? Because, you know, when those things become public, you, the wife, kind of, you're standing on the sidelines looking stupid you feel stupid, you feel run over like a Mack truck, you feel humiliated, you feel as if everything was your fault, even though he, you know, you'll have to recognize that the individual you married had these issues existing and these issues pre-existed before the marriage. But, but still, there is still some, it does affect you, the person, whether you know it or not. I mean, in the initial shock, you ask yourself, why? Why, why did you do this? Uh, why couldn't you control yourself or so on. There are all kinds of questions that we ask ourselves. So I, I put it together. I just put it down to you can't control anybody and people have their issues that you have no control over. So which leads me into what we're going to talk about today. The fact that, and there's, this is this story had nothing to do with the Matt Lauer story. The story actually came out before the Matt Lauer story with the new book and blah, blah, blah. This story came out a couple of days ago and I was 
I thought when I was reading it that I thought it was an, something on the onion. You know the onion, yeah? The onion who uh, per, makes spoofs of, of stories and, and sometimes you think it's real. That's what I thought this story was. This story was first circulated and it talks about a man who is the groom in the wedding. He raped the bridesmaid, one of the bridesmaids, before the wedding, the night before the wedding. And he still got married anyway. The bride knew of the incident and they, she still married him the next day. That took place back in May. But now, uh, the, the, but now what happens now is that guess what? He's now possibly facing charges. He's still married. The woman still married him. So my question is, should he have gotten married? Should the woman still have married him? Now, we've been talking about this from both sides of the coin. And, I, and I'm going to go into it in just a little bit because I think there is a credible story here to be made about drunkenness and responsibility. And, and this seems to be a revolving theme because it seems to me that when women become drunk, that people take advantage of them. And, and so I have to ask the question, is it worth getting drunk? Is it worth getting so stone cold drunk that you are completely out of it and you can't help yourself? You don't know where you are. This is a running theme. It seems like, doesn't it? Because the young woman, the bridesmaid in this story, I think there's a whole other story behind this. You know what I mean? The bridesmaid in the story, she says that she, uh, she got, you want to hear this? She says that she got so drunk, she didn't know where she was. So the bride-to-be asked the groom to walk, help her walk to her car. And the groom walked her to the car, but he passed by the locker room. And he took her, the surveillance footage shows that both he and her walked into the locker room. Then the bride walked in, and when the bride caught him having sex with her, they had a fight, but she still married him. A smart girl. I, I agree with her because according to text messages, the man in the groom is now facing possible charges of rape. According to text messages, they, uh, the groom asked the, the, the bridesmaid to make sure she takes the plan B the next morning. That means he didn't use a condom. So she could have gotten pregnant. Obviously she didn't get pregnant. So what the bride did, the bride decided that she was going to marry him. So this girl does not come back and accuse him of, you know, having a baby. And so she now would have to, uh, face, um, <laughs> you know, face, uh, face child support charges. Obviously she didn't get pregnant because there's no baby nine months, almost nine months later. But still the question, the question is why did the bride still go ahead and marry him? Why wouldn't she? Because it, you don't know what they, maybe the bride was looking at it from a different point of view. Maybe she was looking at it from the point of view that maybe this girl probably wanted her, her guy. And, you know, this was a way of, of, of getting, um, cause she's unsure if the, if the sexual contact she saw was consensual or was it forcible? Now the girl is saying that it was forcible. They in fact had called the police and so on. So she's saying that it was forcible rape. It was rape. So it was forced, but maybe the bride at the time, having gone through all this effort to plan a wedding and so on, she's like, whatever, I'm still going to marry him because I don't know what's going to happen out of this. Maybe he has to marry the girl and I'm not going to look like the fool. 
right? So there, and he's now married, but he's possible facing jail time, which kind of strengthens the bride's perceived understanding a little bit because sometimes when a woman can't get the man, you know what they do, right? They'll scream rape because they didn't get what they wanted out of it. Because nowadays people have transactional relationships. Now, that is no way excusing what he did. No, it's not excusing what he did. But it's also not excusing her behavior either. Because why were you so stone cold drunk? And this is the question that I've been asking everybody since yesterday. Why are you so drunk that you don't know where you are? Why do we continue to place ourselves in danger? We already live in situations that compromise our safety. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it seems to me that nobody's paying any attention to the fact that we just, that young women continue to place themselves in danger. You know what I mean? The, the, the argument can be said, oh, we should live in a society that is so perfect that nobody will ever rape anybody. Well, good luck with that. That is never gonna happen. Never happened before and it's not gonna happen. We have created enough awareness of why rape shouldn't happen and so on and so on. But ladies, women continue to place ourselves in abject danger. You cannot go out and be with other people and be so drunk that you don't know where you are. I'm never gonna agree with that. I think the time has come for us to be more, and yes, I advocate for women's rights, but you also have a responsibility to yourself, to the community, and to your parents and your family members. And more importantly, to your future self, who later on is gonna ask you the question, could you have done something to prevent it? And you want to be make sure that you're able to say, I was, for, I was raped because someone else decided they wanted power over me. Not that I was raped because I placed myself in danger where I was so drunk, I didn't know where I was. And I know many of you are like, but come on, Harriet, when you're young, that's what you do. And come on, Harriet, that's when people get raped. Right? We've all been young. I was young too. I, I've told you my story how one time I, when I was 21, I, I drank, you know, I had drinks and I didn't remember how I got to my boyfriend's house. Never happened to me again because I never, I made sure it never happened again, right? Because I could not understand. When I woke up the next morning, I was not happy with myself that I was so out of control that I lost control of myself that I didn't know where I was and someone else had to assume the safety, assume control over my safety. Didn't sit well with me, so I made sure it never happened again. It never happened again. I never did drugs because, not because I'm a prude, but because I didn't think drugs were good for me. I didn't think drugs were good for my body. I thought drugs were acidic and would make my body sick. Never did drugs. Never drank because I think alcohol tastes like medicine. That's how it tastes to me. I don't see anything fun about drinking vodka and gin and schnapps and stuff like that. I do enjoy, I used to enjoy an occasional glass of German wine. I like medium wine. So I used to enjoy an occasional glass of red wine with dinner. But then when it started to give me that buzzy feeling in my head and it reminded me of the time when I lost control of myself, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Half a glass and I'm good, right? But it makes me, because I felt that my safety could have been compromised had I not been around a group of people whom I trusted. I knew from experience back then there are people whom you couldn't trust and that people like to touch girls when they think you are unaware. 
So I was, I had just come out of a beauty pageant and I had heard the stories of other girls who had been touched inappropriately because they were unable to, you know, keep themselves together. It was not going to happen to me. Right. So I made sure it never happened to me after that. I was never so drunk. So, so I was never so drunk. I was never drunk period. And I was never so, I could never have placed myself in such a situation. So I know that it is not popular, especially in some settings and in some spaces. Yeah. In, in, in some spaces where people of other ethnicities, perhaps the conversation needs to be enlarged. Perhaps the conversation that happens in those spaces is they tell their children, you're young, so you're wild oats, be wild. Because when later on, when you get married, you can't do anything right? And then people still have multiple divorces after that because people still, you still get married and you still get drunk while you have friends over or while you have your neighbors over and stuff still happens. So that's not the issue. The issue is do not lose control of yourself. It's, it's, if we don't have this conversation about how we drink and about what our behavior happens after we drink, that we're going to continue to have people driving drunk who kill innocent people, kill innocent children, kill innocent families, right? And, and destroy people's lives because you drink irresponsibly. It is irresponsible to drink and not be in control of yourself so that you don't know where you are. And I think in these two scenarios, that's what it is. Is it a moral question? It becomes criminal if you carry out a criminal act, which is what happened with the groom. Yeah. He raped the woman. Now, after that, she, she did call rape because the police came. They came and they in, reported it because she said she was too drunk to have supplied consent. And that's key. Guys, you need to remember that. You need to get, yes, I would suggest for all of you guys, if you're going to engage with anybody, I suggest you get a text message. <laughs> Because then you have proof that they said yes. <laughs> okay? Because she said she was too drunk to say yes. And so he took advantage of her. He might have, I, I believe that he might have wanted to have sex with her prior to. But the situation never arose. And then now she's drunk. He probably thought she would be too drunk to remember what happened the next day. So he took advantage of her for that. He should pay. Right. But guys under normal circumstances, like in the story of Matt Lauer, he invited the woman, she's a colleague and he invited her to his, his hotel room and she came and he had, he had uh, penetrative anal sex with her. She said she was crying, but when they got back to the States, they continued. She, she initiated sexual contact with him. So that kind of clouded the issue that maybe it wasn't right back in Russia. Is it, or wasn't it? You never want to put yourself in a position where you don't know if it's rape or if it's not, it has to be clear cut. Yes. I want to be in bed with you. Yes. Videotape it secured. If I had a son, that's what I would be telling him. If I had a son who was unmarried right now and who was engaging in sex, I would tell him, get it in writing. <laughs> so nobody 10 years from now can't go back and say, and get, keep a screenshot in your iCloud account 
so that 10 years from now, when you're running for office, they can't come back and scream that you raped them and you didn't get consent. You have the screenshot to say this happened on such and such a day on such and such a time. Do you see where we're going with this? This is now speaking to our own moral code as a society. It's, it's becoming a bigger issue because it seems to me there are, there are some women who use this as a, a tool to get back at men. And it clouds the issue because where rape really occurs, we don't know it, it, because the real victims won't, won't ever come forward. Somebody else is listening to this and she was raped. She's not going to come forward because she's going to think that we're all going to make fun of her and we're all going to say it's he say, she say. Meanwhile, she's the real victim who has been traumatized and is going to endure mental and emotional trauma for the rest of her life. She'll never go to a counselor to admit she was raped. She's not going to talk about it, right? Because the, 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 the personification and the conversation around it centers around making it seem like it's her fault, right? Even me right now, it might even sound like that. I'm just going to be real with you. But I am just saying, don't get so stone cold drunk. Don't go hanging out and you get drunk and you have to walk out of the bar and somebody has to help you to put you behind the wheel. Don't do that. You're compromising your safety, not just sexual safety, but your own personal safety. Someone could kidnap you. Someone could hurt you, right? Don't do that. And at the same time, even with you, when you're with a group of young men or men whom you trust, you, you just never know. Can I just be honest with you? Let me just tell you something real quick. Uh, I told you about the time when I was 21 and I got uh, drunk and I was hanging out with my boyfriend and his friends, right? Well, this is real life and these things happen. I was, at the time, he had a friend who had a kind of crush on me, would you say? Kind of a misguided, you know, kind of a crush. But it's one of those things where my boyfriend knew, I knew, and his wife knew. And everybody thought it was funny or not funny but nobody was really going into paying it. So we got invited to a house party that took place on somebody's beach house. And I saw my, my boyfriend and I were supposed to meet there. And I saw my boyfriend's car and to get to the car where his car was parked, I didn't know that it was the guy, his friend who had driven the car, that he hadn't arrived there yet. So I'm walking to the car and here comes the friend. He grabs me, he forces me onto the car, and he begins to kiss me and caress me, no matter, he was a strong guy, you know, he's tall and broad and, and so on. So I'm pushing him off, right? I'm pushing him away. And nothing I could do could get him to stop. That is what is considered sexual assault. He didn't rape me, but he was all over you, right? And I finally screamed for him to stop. And I must have screamed loudly enough that it, it stopped him and he thought maybe someone would, would hear. Do you know what his excuse was? He said he was drunk. He said, if you tell my boyfriend, he said, I'm going to say that I was drunk. I still told my boyfriend. What happens is after that, we he never hung out with us again. He was never around us. I never hung out with them. I never hung out with him again because I felt somehow compromised. Do you see what I'm saying? Did I, was I, did I place myself in danger? No, I wasn't drunk. I wasn't drinking. I was walking to what I thought to my boyfriend's car, thinking my boyfriend was in the car, but it was being driven by his friend who took advantage of me and then conveniently blame the liquor. 
just like this groom in, in, in Pennsylvania. He's saying he was inebriated. They were all drinking together and stuff happens. No, stuff does not happen. We need to caution our young people, our sons or daughters or nephews or nieces. We need to caution them on what is acceptable behavior sexually at all times. We need to tell them how to avoid a rape charge. Seriously, we also need to tell girls how to avoid being sexually molested and how to avoid being raped. We need to uh, teach our children about the sexual dangers that exist, that there are predators. Now, looking back at it, we I can now say that my boyfriend's friend, he was his best friend at the time, was a predator. Apparently, he had just been perhaps waiting for an opportunity, and that was the opportunity that presented himself for him to have his way with me. Do you see my body language? Do you see how I'm remembering it? So I'm talking about it as if it's third person. It's a real experience that happened to me. And immediately I started covering myself. This is what happens to women when we are raped. This is how we feel. We feel compromised. We feel exposed and we feel naked. The fact that I even have to tell you about it is something that I'm going to have to think about when the show is over. That's what it feels like. And what I did in the future after that was what? I never, I don't walk in places. If, if I'm waiting on, uh, on my guy to show up, I wait for him to show up in the light. If he's not coming, I don't go to someone's house to wait for him. I'm not around his friends where anybody could have access to me. I became very careful. That incident was never repeated because I told my boyfriend, do not ever let your friend come near me again. I kid you not. I kid you not, folks. I kid you not. Right? Can you believe that? I told him, don't let your friend come near me. <laughs> right? And so I, 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 I'm saying that with all brevity and with, hopefully this will help someone else because I want to be clear that these things do happen and I, they're not, it's not, uh, it's not convenient. Um, it's not convenient. Uh, uh, it's not convenient because you, you want to you wanna be able to say that, uh, you know, uh, you want to be able to say that you, you, these things happen. I wish I could tell you that that never happened. Later on, when I got married, my ex-husband had a best friend who had the same dilemma. If these things happen to women. Like I told you yesterday, go and ask your female friends your ex-girlfriends, your current girlfriend, your wife, your lover, your friend, your friend who is a girl, your daughters. You might take out, you might take out, find yourself uh, roughing it up with a gun there for a minute. Your daughters, your nieces, your cousins. If you go and ask the women around you if they have ever been sexually assaulted or compromised in any way, you are going to be shocked. You're not going to believe what happens. Have you guys done that? Have you gone and done that yet? It's mind blowing, right? Because after I got married, no, my ex husband, I've told you about him, he was a horrible monster, right? But he had friends who were very touchy feely, 
right? So because of my prior experience, I was the one who sat like this. I didn't allow myself to be alone with any of them. And in fact, my ex-husband had told me that he only trusted three of them. The rest of them, he's like, I don't know. One of them thought he was getting his way. I slapped him away. But there was another one who told me he had been in love with me from my husband's best friend, my ex-husband's best friend. Told me he had been in love with me and tried to touch me inappropriately when we were visiting him in New York. Ew. This is the crazy stuff that women go through. If you were to ask your wife, your girlfriend, if your best friend has ever touched her, you might not want to know the answer. You might never want to know because the truth is she probably is not going to say so because she wants to preserve the friendship, but she might tell you. Because if I had told my ex-husband about his best friend, it would have ruined over 30 years of friendship at the time. You see what I'm saying? It's amazing. And this is the culture that we live in where I know some of you are saying, wow, because this is the culture we live in where a woman feels like our bodies are supposed to be ours. But for some reason, it seems like I don't have any control over my body or I don't have free agency over my body. If some guy feels like he should talk to me or touch me, then suddenly he has rights to my body and I haven't given him the right to. The last time I checked, I had to say yes in order to give someone the right to touch my body, right? But you would think that that is normal. It's not. You'd be amazed how many women would confess to being groped by a male colleague at home. Matter of fact, all you guys who are married, just ask your wives if their boss or their male colleague ever touched them. Just ask, just for fun, you know, just ask. She's gonna, she's, you can, you're gonna know the answer because of how she answers you. You're gonna look in her face and you're gonna know. And when you, the reason I'm asking you to do it is so that you are aware that this happens to women because oftentimes what we do is pro we project onto the victim and we say it's her fault. Like in my story, when I, I was young, so was it my fault that I was young, that my boyfriend's uh, best friend thought he should be touching me all over? No, as a matter of fact, it caused a fissure between the group of friends because people were like, how could you do that? You know what I mean? Some guys were like, what, why would you do that? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm laughing at the memory of it because it's, it, it was mind blowing. It's crazy the things that happen. And, and more often than not, these stories are, if you start the conversation and you start asking other women, the women around you for, for what happens, you're going to be shocked. You're going to be amazed at what happens. This is down to earth. This is just a down to earth conversation I'm having. My name is Harriet Kamek. Thank you so much for joining with me because this is such a conversation that must happen that we need to have all of us, whether you're going to ask her across the dinner table or you're going to ask her when you're comfy or when you're cozy, but ask anyhow. And you'd be surprised how many women will tell you when they go into their boss's office that he touches them inappropriately. I, I, you know, some years ago, a guy told me that he was, uh, as many, he's a mortician, as many funerals as he has done. 
he can tell you about all the pastors in town and the, the scandals around them. And I just laughed it off like, ha, ha, ha. But the church that I was attached to at the time was a small church, right? And the young lady who was there, she was my, she was an intern for me. She was interning for me as, as, as a, as a PDA, right? As a, as an assistant. And, um, I kid you not, I asked her to go talk to the pastor about something. And right before my eyes, I walked into the room and sat down and right before my eyes, he pushed his, he was reading something with one hand and he pushed his hand up under her skirt and slapped her on her butt. She was 18 years old. I was so shocked. I said, I can't believe you did that before me. I didn't know what to say. And he was like, I didn't do anything. Uh, nothing happened. And he looked at her because she was compromised. You see what I mean? And the look on her face told me this was not the first time nor the second time that this had happened. So I asked her after, I said, how long have you been coming to this church? And I said, why do I get the feeling this is not the first time that he has touched you inappropriately? He has probably done more stuff than you are willing to disclose at the moment. And she didn't answer. <laughs>